0: As I mentioned before, my name is Mike. I'm one of the the founding pastors here at Artisan and working as the associate under Scott, who is currently away. He was in Chicago at our our denomination's midwinter conference. Now I think he's in the Copa with his family, uh, sipping things out of pineapples and stuff. I actually don't know where he is. (laughs) He's in Charlotte. I'm just making that up. Uh, Or at least flying into Charlotte. So, he left it to me to prepare the, uh, the sermon for February 5th, and I didn't have anything. So, I found a magazine on the way in, and I'm just going to read from that. Is everybody okay with that? So, the gospel according to the New York Times. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We're in our Matters of Life and Death series, which is a very dramatic way of saying things that are very, very important. Um, if you've been with us. Throughout the series, we've been drawing from a passage in Luke, uh, which is up here on the screen, Luke 9, 23 through 25. It's page 824 in your Red Bibles, Um, and we've been having everybody turn to page 824 in your Red Bibles. So go ahead and reach underneath your seat, uh, grab one, and um, go ahead and find 824, page 824 for me. I'll wait till I hear the pages finish up. And, uh, all right. Note my wait time. Exactly. It was a trick. You passed. Congratulations. You get five bonus points, which mean nothing. (laughs) Okay. So it's 842. Okay. For those playing our home game. Um, All right, now that everybody's got it, 8.42, let me have everybody stand for the reading of the gospel. Um, I'm going to turn the microphone off because I'd really like to hear everybody reading uh, this passage. So let's start at verse 23. Then he said to them all, Oh my gosh. Some of the small groups have been working on memorizing this. I think Pastor Scott has asked us to try and memorize it a little bit. So they've been memorizing it. Go ahead and have a seat. So (laughs) now that we're starting to internalize this passage a little bit, we're talking about things that we need to let go of, things that we need to surrender. Um, And this week I'm left with surrendering loved ones. Um, I didn't opt for this, pass- this uh, topic. I wanted a different one. But Scott gave me this one, which is probably good because I learned quite a lot. Uh, grab your piece of paper, your bulletin, your, um, your info card, the back of your hand, um, and grab a pen. I don't think I need to have somebody wave a pen. I think we all know what that is. So we're good. Okay. On this piece of paper... I would like you to write the names of the three most important people in your life. Okay? Take a moment. Write that down. All that matters is that they're important to you. So if you write down Harry Potter, that's fine. If you write down Honey Badger, I will also accept that. (laughs) But three most important people in your life. Take a moment and do that, and then we'll come back. I see a lot of people are thinking, you're really thinking, and I've seen some spouses elbow the person next to them. (laughs) All right, heads are starting to come up a little bit. I think we've got them. Have you had enough time? I'm serious. I want you to write down these three names. So if you think I'm joking, understand the sermon's going to completely stink if you don't write them down. Okay, great. So, show of hands, how many people wrote down f- family? All right, good. Um, how many married folk wrote down your spouse? Good. <laughs> It'd be a long car ride home if you didn't. How many wrote down your children? Good. How many wrote down, like, a best friend? Yeah, maybe. Okay, how many people wrote down a fictional character? Okay. We'll be okay. <laughs> so, when, when I was thinking about the three most important people in my life, uh, the first one that, that I thought of is the Bubs. She's my youngest daughter, and, and she, like, she does rock hands. She's pretty awesome. Um, she spent too much time with me. So, that was really easy, you know? So, I said, all right, the Bubs. So, we'll put her aside. Then I wrote down Kiddo, she's my older daughter. And she's 10, and she's smarter than I am. She thinks she's smarter than I am. So she's pretty cool. Okay. So then I really had to think, because now I've, I've done, like, third place, second place, who's the most important person in my life. And first thing that popped in my head was my guitar. <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, but that's an inanimate object. Let's put that aside. So then, of course, Malcolm came, came to mind, and she's kind of pretty. So three most important people in my life. So when, when I'm thinking of loved ones, these are the people I'm thinking of. You may be thinking of uh, your friends, your parents, siblings, spouses, children, coworkers, housemates, These are the people that God is asking us to surrender. And as with most of the times that I'm in front of you, I don't have the answers to all of this. So I'm going to ask for you guys to help me come up with what it means to surrender your loved ones. So as you look over your list, you've got a list in front of you. You've made it too. That's mine, but this is yours. What do you think it means to surrender your loved ones to God? Say it louder. Sacrifice. Them. Sacrifice them. You You've been in church for a while. So what does that mean?
1: Sure. Really to come to
0: the so, okay. Okay, so it's it's almost forcing an encounter. Okay? That that could be one way that we surrender loved ones to God. What else do you guys have? It's okay to think about it for a second while other people are talking. Okay. So, surrendering could be forcing an encounter. It could also be getting out of the way. Okay. Sure, not wanting to control. It's getting much clearer, right? Okay, anybody else confused? Good. It's okay to be confused. Moody and then Tim. Tim. Ah, what do I think it is? Oh, boy. Here, here's the deal. I, I get, oh, one of my favorite classes in seminary was 512. It was the second class in the core. It was with Dr. Livermore. Anybody have a class at Robert's with Dr. Livermore? I'm the only one in the room. Okay. If, if there are any Robert students, bring him a, a, a Dr. Pepper and a Heath bar. Trust me on this. Um. We would constantly ask him, as he is completely unraveling our faith and completely deconstructing everything that we know, we'd ask him, what do you think about this heresy or this, um, this movement of the church or this tenet of faith? And he would say, it's not my responsibility to tell you what to think. It's your job to figure out what you think. I can tell you what I think. But all too often, people adopt someone else's belief system without really wrestling it. So I'm hesitant to tell you what I think on this. By the end, you may have an idea. But right now, I'm going to let you wrestle with it a little bit. Okay? Okay. Tim. Somehow you'll find a way. Okay, so surrendering your loved ones could mean um, forcing an encounter with your loved one and God. Letting go of your loved one and letting it be how it will be could also mean, well, what do you think it is, Mike? And it could also mean, um, uh, watch me. Let me be an example. Would that be a decent summary? Or stop trying to fix everything. Okay, classically, um, when we think of surrendering our loved ones, often that does mean letting go of them, right? Letting God take care of them, putting them in God's hands. Um, maybe, maybe trusting that God is going to take care of them in a better way than we can. Yeah, that that seems like that seems so easy. But then my follow-up to that is, well, how? How do you do that? So, if if we're to do that, how do we? How do you let go of something that you care about so much? I mean, we've talked about work, we've talked about money. Say that a little bit louder, Moody. So if you you believe in God and you believe in who God says he is, then just let him go and trust that God will take care of him, right? That's what you're going through? I think we've all had periods where we have to do that, where um, a loved one is sick. A child has run away either physically or emotionally. They've just they've pushed you away. Trouble in a marriage, trouble in a friendship, where you have to let go of that thing that you love so much. Um, I think it's it may be easier when we're talking about work to be able to say we're going to give that to God, because work is work. It's different than us. You know, money. We we've heard that sermon a hundred times. Not saying that Scott didn't say something brand new, because I think he did, but. Um, we've talked about letting go of money a lot, but when we think about letting go of the people that are so dear to us, that's a whole different thing. Are there any other thoughts on how you might let it go, let people go? Uh, more. Could everybody hear that? Yeah, I'm getting nods from over here. Brenda. I feel like sometimes we don't realize we have to be in order to
2: surrender, you have to realize that you're
0: surrendered. Hmm. Keep going with that. That's fun.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I think we have to actually realize what we're really mm-hmm. And only
0: be <laughs> Okay, you want to switch spots? <laughs> no. See, again, that's why I try not to come in with all the answers, because y'all are really smart. Y'all. And y- y'all, that's for you. So um, <laughs> you guys are really smart. And you know just by your life experiences, by your interactions with God, so much more often than I think you think you know. And sharing with each other, as much as me just kind of being awesome, is like what this is. This is what the church is. So I love this. I want to get to Doug, but we are coming back there. So I didn't plant that either. That was awesome.
1: Okay. Say a little bit more. Just that the sense of okay, I, I like Tim was saying. I know the rules that I'm not going to try and fix my kid. They're 25, and yet when something in their life is hurting them or causing pain, that's where my attention goes. And man, do I want to.
0: My father has said that that he's only as happy as his most unhappy child. I think is that what you're getting at? So I, Dan, go ahead. So surrendering a loved one in that case, the act of it may actually be surrendering the relationship between the loved one as opposed to the loved one specifically. So is anybody else feeling feeling like this is a very complex issue? Yeah, I'm seeing head nods. You don't need to raise your hand. I'm just doing that. Uh, this is remarkably complex. There are so many facets not the least of which is another sentient human being who has their own will and their own desire and their own faith and their own understanding of that faith. So the how we surrender loved ones is remarkably complicated. And I think we're going to wind up spending our entire lives figuring out what on earth that means, which again is why I don't have a very clear answer to it because we're just figuring it out. I also don't think it's necessarily the most important question. The question that that was really kicking my butt this week is why? I think that's a question we should always be asking of God, of the church, of your pastor, of scriptures. Why? Be very, very critical of what it's saying, of what we're saying, what I'm saying. Why does God want us to surrender our loved ones? This is where I I have a little bit, and then I kind of want your feedback. Because this is where I spent most of my time this week. I think God wants us to surrender our loved ones for two reasons. One, it's an act of faith. That's just a, a real obvious one. He asked that of Abraham with his son Isaac. He almost asked that of himself with his own son. He asked that of Paul releasing Timothy and other disciples. Um, he asked that of the early disciples and the church. He asked them to take leaps of faith, to trust God, and to trust God is who he says he is. And to trust God, that, to trust that God cares about people possibly more than you do. Or at least in a more honest way. Um, so I think God, God kind of is always requiring that act of faith. He's always requiring us to step one foot past, like, to, to feed back the microphone and walk right up to the edge and then go one more and see if you're going to fall. You know, he wants us to be that wily Coyote character but not look down, you know? He's kind of, a, a walk of faith, a spiritual journey, a asking why of God is always going to lead you to this place where you have to make a faith statement, where you have to make something that's not concrete, you have to take a risk. And I think God wants us to risk those things that are most dear to us. And I can't think of anything more dear to us than those people you wrote down on your page. But I think there's one more thing that that may be as important as that. Risking your loved ones is an act of identity. There's another passage that's very similar to this passage in Luke where Jesus is saying that you need to maybe not forsake, but you need to let go of your father and your mother, your children, your family, to take up your cross and follow him. Why? Again, why? Why does that matter? Because when I look at the three faded people, they're etched in my brain. When you look at your sheet of paper and you look at those names, I bet you see you. You see your identity. These are the people that give you purpose. These are the people that give you a sense of who you are. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. I'm a coworker. I'm a sibling. This, again, is all about us. I don't think that God wants us to let go of our loved ones because because He wants us to let go of our loved ones. I think our loved ones become little gods. For lack of a better phrase, they become little gods. When we're looking at money and we're looking at um, how we use our money, how we spend our money, often pastors will say, open up your checkbook and you will find what's important in your life. You can read down your ledger and you can find out what you're spending your money on and that's what's important. But I think when you look at your family, when, when you look at that list of people in front of you, these are the first three people you thought of. This is what's important to you. And often it's easy to take that and put that above God as our source of understanding who we are. The problem is what happens when your marriage falls apart, when your friendship breaks up, when you get fired from your job, when, um, heaven forbid, somebody dies. A piece of you is gone now because this is where we find our identity. I've been there. I've watched my understanding of myself be ripped away from me. Going from being young and married and successful with a job and a new house and two cars in the driveway to sleeping in the back of one of those cars with no house and no job and no spouse and nothing. And I had no idea who I was because my identity was those things. And God wants our identity to come from him. Initially, that was the relationship. Am I wrong? When it all started, it was just God and people. And they lived in harmony. They understood each other. They walked with each other. They talked with each other. They interacted very freely. There wasn't this selfishness, this self-centeredness, this self-protectiveness that stood between us. So it was very easy to find your identity in God. But currently, for good or bad, it's just the way, the way we are. It's the way I am I love you guys to death, it's the way you are. We find our identity often by other people. They define us. And so I think God wants us to let go of those people because it's good for us. God's going to take care of them whether we let go of them or not. God's going to take care of me whether or not my father stays up worrying because I'm unhappy. God's going to take care of Kara whether or not she's in my house or not in my house. But am I willing to not define myself by my child? Am I willing to define myself by God and not by Mel? Are you willing to define yourself and your understanding of who you are by God and not by the people that you wrote on that paper? It's a working theory. What do you guys think? Awesome. Okay. And that's fair. I, I'm, I'm really glad that you raised your hand, and I'm really glad that you disagreed with me. It's okay to disagree with me. Just because I have a microphone and a loud sound system doesn't mean I'm right. Um, so you'd argue that, that relationships, those, those specific familial relationships are permanent and can mirror, mirror our understanding of God. Brenda. Brenda. Hmm?
2: Not my loved ones,
0: mm-hmm. but I had to surrender because he was taking care of them. Exactly. 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 Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. And, and it's, it's very okay. Here at Artisan, it is very okay to have two differing opinions held at the same time in the same group of people. Okay? They're every, each one of us has to figure this out on our own. Just like I didn't want to give Moody an answer, it's not because I don't want to give Moody an answer... It's because it's my answer, it's not Moody's. Moody's experience will give him his answer, just like Brenda's experience has given her her answer. So it's completely, completely okay for us to have two different experiences. But thank you so much for both of you for sharing what seem, what feel like very, very, very deeply seated experiences. I appreciate that. Go ahead, Ben. I think think that uh, it'd be nice
1: if there was a formula that we could follow, and that'd be the same for everyone. Uh, But uh, I I think God deals with us as individuals because we all have different experiences. Mm -hmm.
0: So essentially, what you're saying is that <clears throat> that at the end of the day, this surrendering is all about removing barriers. But it's not removing barriers between us. Removing a barrier between our loved one and God. It's quite literally removing a barrier between us yeah. and God. And it may not be if I'm surrendering my, my 10-year-old, that doesn't mean that she has to make her own food and wash her own clothes, and, right? It just means that, that my understanding of my place in this world doesn't come from my 10-year-old. Correct? Okay. In the back. What's your name, by the way? Uh, Nancy. Nancy. Go ahead, Nancy. Exactly. Could you guys hear Nancy over here? Awesome. Last word. Well, hopefully, God will not ask me to raise a knife above my 10-year-old. Sometimes God doesn't have to ask me. But... <laughs> All this openness has made me say something. <laughs> Glad to make everybody laugh a little bit. This is, this is a very weighty topic. This is a very heavy topic. Um, and if it, It's heavy because it's that important. Like I said, the people you wrote down, these are the most important people in your world. So we're not talking about your car or your guitar. You know, like, these are souls. These are people. Um, I'm going to let, let you stew in what we've talked about a little bit. Again, I don't, I don't intend to tie things up with a nice, neat bow, because to do so would be disingenuous. It's too complicated for me to do that, and I don't have the answer to it. And for you to find that answer in me would be defeating that relationship. So I'm not going to stick one out there. But as you stew in it, and as you come to the communion table, here's another example of a story uh, where someone has sacrificed a loved one. In this case, it's God sacrificing his son which may seem remarkably counterintuitive and probably is. Again, it's not clean. It's not It's not easy. But God sacrifices his son on our behalf. And each week when we approach the communion table and you tear off a piece of bread, we're rem- we're remembering the Passover feast where Jesus broke the bread and he passed it to his friends, the most dear people in his life. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And then we we take our bread and we dip it into the cup of either wine or juice, whichever is appropriate for you. And we're remembering again the Passover feast where Jesus says, this is my cup, this is my blood spilled for you, the dearest people in my life. So as you come to the table, go ahead and stew in the tension of what does it mean to let go of my loved ones? What does it mean to not find my identity in the most important relationships on earth that I have? What does it mean to find my identity in something that I can't see, I can't touch, I can't often hear, and chances are if I do walk off the stage, I will fall on my face? What does it mean to find my identity in that? So come to the table as you want. You don't need to come up in a line if you don't want to. You can take as much time as you want. We're here until the Patriots win. I don't like either one of them. I'm waiting for the Sabres to play the Patriots. Um, Then we got a game. But take as much time as you need, okay? The band will come up eventually, and they will play a few more songs that we can sing together. But don't rush your thoughts, And it's okay to stew on this for as long as you need. We've got a whole lifetime. So the table is open and come as you feel called.